Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Okay. Hey, isn't it great to greet one another? Just come on back to your seats now for a moment, if you would, and have a seat. Uh, We are doing something a little differently this morning. As kids get checked in and parents are taking their children off to Kids on the Rock, Uh, We are going to just spend a little bit of time before the message by giving you the opportunity, and I know this is scary for some of you, if it is, you can just sit and contemplate these questions, but what I'd really like you to do is take this question and for the next couple of minutes, discuss it with somebody around you, you know, in groups of three or four Discuss this question. What role does Christian community play in helping you walk with Christ? Okay? Turn around. Start discussing. I'll call you back when, when, when you're ready. Okay, here's what I want to do. I'm just going to come over here. Uh, this group here, anybody here like to share maybe some of what your group discussed? Karen, go ahead. Stand on up. I have to stand? Yeah, stand on up. I thought that was a Catholic church. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, we were kind of discussing in our group the, um, the element of support, how you have a direct kind of family network of, of fellow Christians when you're having times of trouble or times of joy that you want to share together. And we also talked about how um, just living by example, that you don't even necessarily have to preach the gospel, but living it out and being um, what you hope others will 
will connect with and um, you know just kind of people looking at you and saying what is it that sets them apart yes. and, you know how can I get some of that in my life and so um, just sharing that joy with others through service and, and compassion thank you Karen uh, how important it is that as people see us and they see our walk that our walk we are leading them to Jesus okay that's what we want to do hey what'd your group talk about Well, stand up. We discussed that um, oftentimes uh, people on the outside looking in sometimes perceive us as the perfect people, with which the reality is we're not, and that we do stumble, we do go through struggles, we do go through trials. Um, the difference is, is we have Christ to lean on, and then on this plane we have each other. And every time you speak to somebody, it seems like they have been through at least what you've been through and sometimes much more, which puts things back in perspective for you. And Dean had mentioned that oftentimes it's bumpers on the, in, the, in the alleys, not the, at the bowling alley, you know, on the, in the gutters. Kind of keeps you between the lines, having this network that we have to share. So that's what we decided. All right, thank you. Yeah. Who else would like to share their group? Larry, go ahead. Do you really want to give me the microphone? Uh, oh, uh, I know. Yep. Well, the politicians and preachers, right? <laughs> we were thinking, and the thought suddenly occurred. It was like bunny rabbits. Bunny rabbits. All right. Just kidding. But um, no, I, I, uh, I think I heard comments about encouraging each other, giving each other courage. I remember Jesus had sent the disciples out two by two for a reason. Now, Bruce, you had a really good point, and I don't want to try and replicate it here. You want to share that with the group? Yeah. Wow. You yield the floor. All right. We are set apart, and as a Christian community, we can live together with, with people whose, whose priorities are uh, what Jesus would have as opposed to what the world would have, and it's wow. much, more, much easier to do that in, in a Christian community. Yeah, boy, isn't that, isn't that true? Hey, we all need encouragement, don't we? All right. And uh, Larry, that is such a great point that as we come here, regardless of what we come or where we've come from, that we come to a place where we can be encouraged. We are encouraged in our walk with Christ. And you know, that encouragement is especially important during times of struggle, uh, during times in our life where we're facing adversity, during times when, you know, things just aren't going the way we had hoped or planned. And, uh, boy, we need other Christians to come around us, to support us, to encourage us, and to walk with us, right? And to help lead people to Jesus. I, I think of the story of the man who was paralyzed. And his four friends put him on a mat, picked him up, took him to the roof of a house where Jesus was speaking inside and literally dug a hole in the roof and lowered the mat so that he could be right in front of Jesus. And you know, there are times when we are on the stretcher and we need Christian community to bear that stretcher and to bring us right into the presence of Jesus to help us go where sometimes we just can't go on our own for whatever reason. And uh, 
Sometimes we're the one that's on the mat. And other times we're the ones that are the stretcher bearers. But that's what community is. And it's about carrying one another, leading one another again and again and again into the presence of Jesus. So encouragement, Larry, so important. Modeling, so important that people want to be where Christ's people are because they are loving and caring and encouraging. And uh, those are good things to be known for, isn't it? And we can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in every single person who is a follower of Christ. So I want to begin this morning uh, our time for the message with Scripture reading. And so, Bruce, if you'd come up and read our passage. This is our passage that we're in for the next several weeks. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Uh, If we have time, we might even go to 17. But 1 through 14 for sure uh, over the next several weeks. This morning, we're going to be looking uh, specifically... um, at uh, verses 5 through 8 this morning. But we're going to read the whole thing for context. Bruce, go ahead. Again, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Blessed is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Take that up there for me. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. So last week we looked at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. 
And there are three things specifically that those verses tell us. Number one is that we've been raised with Christ. Number two is that we are hidden with Christ in the heavenlies. And the third thing is that when Christ return, we will be revealed with Christ. And so we have been raised with Christ. Our lives are hidden with Christ. And when Christ returns, we will be revealed with Him. So those three things. Those three things are true of every person who by faith trusts Jesus Christ to be their Savior. Now those things are what we call positional things. It's true of every person the moment of their salvation. Yet, those things need to be practically lived out. And so you have what is positional, but then a call to live into those things. In other words, since you are these things, live like it. Live like it in the power of the Holy Spirit. The resurrection power that resides in every single one of us as a result of being raised in Christ. And know that as we live in the power of the Holy Spirit, because we've been raised with Christ, we have been united with Him, we have union with Him in His death and in His resurrection, that we have new life. And that as we live that new life, as we endeavor to live out the reality of that truth in the power of the Spirit, to know that, that we are hidden with Christ in the heavenlies. In other words, we are secure. Our salvation is sure. We are saved by grace through faith. Not of our own works. None of us can boast. And Christ, who is the Good Shepherd, says, right? No one can snatch one of my sheep from me. And so as we live our lives as Christ's followers in the power of the Spirit, right? In that resurrection power, in the new life, that's ours in Him, we do so knowing that we are secure. That He will give us all that we need as we trust Him to persevere as we live in the world. That's called the perseverance of the saints. And that comes from God through the Holy Spirit to us. And someday, when Christ returns, we will return with Him. And we will be seen in the fullness of who He created us to be. In other words, the work of becoming like Christ will be complete. And when Christ returns, we will be revealed in that fullness, in that completeness. All those things are true. And that's what Paul is saying to the Colossians. And now he's saying, in light of that, because you are those things, live into the truth of that reality. Now, beginning in verse 5 and following all the way through verse 14, what he's going to do is he's going to encourage the Colossians and us as we live into the new reality of who we are, 
of new creations in Christ Jesus, that, that we are to put off the old way of life with our sinful manner, and we are to put on the new self, the new way of life in Christ. Literally, what he's saying is, hey, put off the old sinful patterns of your old life before you knew Christ, and literally instead, clothe yourself in Christ. Wear Christ. That's the metaphor. That's the imagery that he's using. Now, in verses 5 through 8, we're looking at those today, he begins to talk about what it is we're to put off. And in our verses today, he's going to begin with uh, sexual sin, sexual vices, and then he's going to move into vices or sin that are verbal, that come from the tongue, from the mouth. And he's going to be encouraging the Colossians, and the Word of God encourages us to put those things off. That's, that's what he's talking about in our passage today. Put those things off. In fact, as you look, beginning in verse 5, he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Okay? That, that you used to live in prior to coming to Christ. Because now we have a new nature. So he says, put to death. You know what that, that means in the language, the original language that Scripture was written in? It, it, it's more than just put to death. It literally means exterminate, kill, never let it live again. That's what that word right there literally means in the original language. That we are to kill, we're to exterminate, never to let live again. Hence the name of the, the message. Do not resuscitate. Okay? Do not resuscitate that which has been put to death. Kill it. Let it die. And don't bring it back to life. And he goes on then with mentioning some sexual vices. And then, of course, vices of the mouth or the tongue. Verbal vices. Several years ago, uh, I was at a convention with a friend of mine. It was several days. And the last morning came... My friend was an early riser. He got up, he showered, he put on his clothes, and he got ready to go to the first morning session. I was still in bed. I rolled out of bed. I brushed my teeth, just threw on my clothes, and went to the morning session. Well, about halfway through the morning of the last day, my friend kind of nudges me with the elbow, and he says, Hey, Todd, why don't you go back to the room Take your shower, get cleaned up. I'll take our luggage, check out, put everything in the car, and we can leave and get out of here before this thing is going to end because it's going to be crazy. Okay? And I said, great idea. Great idea. So we went back to the room. He gathered up the luggage. Uh, he went to take the luggage to the car. And uh, I went to take a shower. Now, I have to tell you something. This bathroom was palatial. 
I mean, it was huge. There were so many people at this convention that they ran out of rooms, and we just happened to be given like a VIP room. I mean, it, you needed to call a taxi or Uber to get from one end of the, to the other. I mean, I was thinking, man, I wish Lori were here. She would love this. But there I was, you know, marble and vanity with lights and little private little uh, uh, place for the, for the toilet and, and the shower way over here and the, and the marble sinks over here. And I mean, it's just really quite the bathroom. And so there I am, and uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to take my shower. I'm just standing right here in the, in the middle, right? I'm in the middle of this huge bathroom. And all of a sudden, I hear the door start to open. And I'm thinking, it's my friend, Gary, who finished putting things in the car. And he's come back to the room to get me. And there I am standing in no man's land, right? I mean, I am miles from the closest towel. There's nowhere I can go to hide. Thinking it's my friend Gary, I start going, well, it's Gary. And so, hey, hey, Gary, you know, here I am. And it's the maid. And she screams, all right? And it's like, hey, what do I do? Race for the towel? Assume the fig leaf position? Right? I mean, got a Garden of Eden stuff? What am I going to do? And she screams, and she just freezes, and she's screaming. And I'm just sitting there, what do I do? And then she races out of the room. You can hear her literally screaming as she ran down the hall. And all I could think to say was, it's not that bad, is it? Okay. True story. But here's the point. When it comes to the old way of living, when it comes to our earthly nature, the Bible calls that in the New Testament, Paul refers to it as the flesh. Okay? The unregenerated self. The unredeemed person. Right? It is that bad. It is that bad. That's why we are to clothe ourselves not in things of the flesh, right? but literally in Christ. There's a quote from Rod uh, Dreyer. He wrote a book called uh, the, the Benedict Way. And uh, he says this, No matter what a Christian's circumstances... He cannot live faithfully if God is only part of his life, bracketed away from the rest. In the end, either Christ is at the center of our lives, or the self, with all of its idolatries, are. There is no middle ground. With God's help, we can piece together the fragments of our lives and order them around Him. But it will not be easy we can't do this alone. The first point I want to make is this. Either you are dead in sin or dead to sin. Do we have that for the screen? 
That slide? There you, there you go. You are either dead in sin or dead to sin. You're one or the other. Okay? There's no in-between. Colossians 2.13 says this. Just the, the chapter previously, Paul writes, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, in other words, in the filth and the uncleanliness of your unregenerated self, of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. Isn't that good news? Colossians 6, 6-7. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Do you recognize that? When he says in the first few verses of Colossians chapter 3, you have been raised with Christ, it means that your sins were nailed to the cross. That you died with Him. But that you and I have risen with Him. And His resurrection is ours. We're united with Him. We're in union with Him. And because of that, we are no longer in bondage to sin. Sin no longer has to dominate and own our lives. Guess what? We have a choice of what spiritual apparel we're going to wear. We can choose God's designer label. We, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can choose not to sin. Not to live the way we used to before we came to faith in Jesus Christ. The truth is this. You are either dead in sin or dead to sin. The second point. Beware of deceptions. Beware of deceptions that can resuscitate sin in your life. One of the reasons that Paul was writing to the Colossians is that there were influences internally and externally that were causing them to think about resuscitating their old way of living. Rather than putting to death the old sinful way, there were influences that were encouraging them to live contrary to that. Okay, And so he's writing them to remind them, do not resuscitate the old way. You are new men and women in Christ. Live into that in the power of the Spirit of the resurrection because you've been raised with Christ. Beware of, deception, of deceptions that can resuscitate sin in your life. Colossians 2.8 See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Okay? Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. We need to live into the truth. We need to live into the One who is the truth. We need to live into the One 
who is the living Word of God. Okay? And not be led astray by hollow philosophies of teachings or falsehoods that are not consistent with the teachings, the work, and the person of Jesus Christ. Because those things will certainly influence us and can lead us astray. They can lead us away from Christ into the old ways of living. That's what Paul is writing. Now later on, he's going to write to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.3. And this is the last epistle he wrote before he was executed, martyred for the faith. This is what he writes to Timothy. For the time will come when people will not put will not excuse me for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You can go online. You can go to the bookstore. You can turn on the TV. You can listen to the radio. And I guarantee you, you can find somebody who will say that you can live whatever lifestyle you choose to live. Okay? It's out there. It's in the church. There are those who stand in the pulpit on Sunday morning and they open the Word of God and they do not represent it well. They teach that it says things that it doesn't say in order to justify the old way of living. To give people permission to live a life that's contrary to the Word of God and to the living Word of God who is Jesus Christ. The Scripture says beware of false teachers. Don't be led astray. Jesus in Matthew 24, 24 says this, that in the last days, and that's the time that we're in, the time between redemption and restoration that occurs when Christ returns, in these last days, falsehood, lies, and deceptions are going to be so great that if it weren't for the Lord shortening those days, even those who are His elect, those whom He has called to Himself, would be deceived. That's how great the deception is. And I'm telling you, as bad as it is now, it's going to get worse. Beware of deceptions that can resuscitate sin in your life. And then finally, and this is the point of verses 5-8. through I'll read them again, and then we'll look at this last point. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality. Now to Paul, sexual immorality was any sexual experience or expression that was outside of marriage between a man and a woman. Everything else, right? Paul, from his Jewish and Christian worldview understood that to be sin. And he says, put that to death. Then he goes on to say, 
also impurity, lust, evil desires, all those things that fuel, all right, that fuel our passions to want to have sex, right, to experience those things outside of of a monogamous union between a man and a woman. He says, put those things to death. Don't let those things into your life. And then he says these things. He says, along with that, you are to put to death greed. Now, isn't that weird that greed would be listed in a, in a, in a list of sexual sins? Isn't that greed? Well, what is greed? Greed is a desire to accumulate as much material things or things around you that you can for yourself. And in this case, even the bodies of other people. That in our desire, in our lust, in our passion, we have a greed in which we even want to accumulate the bodies of others for our own satisfaction. Okay? And then finally, idolatry. And what he's really saying here, any passion that drives us that's contrary to God's Word and plan for us is idolatry. And in that, we become worshipers of ourselves, of our own passions, our desires, our lusts. He says, put those things to death. Why? Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. God will judge those who are wicked and evil. Those who remain dead in their sin. Put those things to death. He says, you used to walk in these ways in the former life, but rid yourself now of all such things as these. Now these are sins, verbal sins, sins of the mouth. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Put those things to death. Don't resuscitate them. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Clothe yourselves in Christ. Bury your old way of life. Bury it. Bury your old way of life. James 1, 13-15 When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Sound familiar? Isn't that what Paul is saying here? Then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. It gives birth to death. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10.13. This is good news, by the way. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will provide a way out so that you can endure under it. Okay? That's good news. How does he do that? Are you ready? Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to 
empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Therefore, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And he understands what it's like to live as a human being. He was tempted in every way that we've been tempted, yet without sin. And He is ready to help us in our time of need. We can call on Him. Hebrews 7, 24-25 But because Jesus lives forever, He has a permanent priesthood. In the Old Testament, there were priests, but the priest would die. But Jesus has an eternal permanent priesthood. What was the role of the priest? To represent the people before God and God to the people. Okay? He was their intermediary. And Jesus Christ is our great high priest. He lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, are you ready for this? He is able to save completely those who come to Him. completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. In Colossians 1-4, through it says that we have been hidden with Christ, that Christ is literally seated at the right hand of God the Father. And you know what He does? He makes constant intercession for you and for me. He is there to help us, to intercede for us. We can call on Him. C.S. Lewis says it this way. The more we get what we now call ourselves, that's the old way of living, the more we get what we now call ourselves out of the way and let Him take us over, Christ, the more truly we become ourselves, the people that He created us to be. The more I resist Him and try to live on my own, the more I become dominated by my own heredity and upbringing and surroundings and natural desires. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying to us today. In your bulletin, you'll find this insert. It says, putting on the full armor of God. And this is literally a prayer that you can use every day as you prepare to go to your spiritual wardrobe and say, what am I going to put on today? The old way of living? Or am I going to clothe myself in Christ? And as I do that, here's a prayer for you to pray that will help you choose God's designer label. Okay? And help you to keep it on and and to walk in it and live in it. And on the back... It gives a description of each piece of the armor, its use, and its application. I want to give you a challenge for the next 30 days. Start your day with this. And see what a difference that it makes in your life. And then finally, at the window, the connection window, we have these inserts from last week. 
that have scriptures that talk about who I am in Christ and says something in Christ by the grace of God, what does it mean? If you didn't get one last week, pick one up. Use both of these to start your day and watch and see the difference it'll make. Here's the point. All of us struggle. That's why we have to choose daily. That's why when we go to our spiritual wardrobe, we have to choose what we're going to wear. The old self or the new self, which is clothed in Christ. That's our choice every single day. We can't do it on our own. We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. But when we do fail, here's the good news. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. It's coming up. It's such good news, it just takes a while to appear. Do we have it? Is it coming? There it is. All right. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay? But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, right? And purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sin. This morning, I want to lead us in a prayer of confession. That we can confess our sin and know that the Lord purifies us. He cleanses us from that unrighteousness. Let's read together this prayer of confession. Are you ready? Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change, and grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness, in your image, through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen.